But uh, the title of my sermon this morning is Safe and Sound in God's Hand. Safe and Sound in God's Hand. In Psalm 31, verse 15, the psalmist David writes these words. First part. My times are in thy hand. Think about that. My times are in thy hand. And then look over to Psalm 37 and verse 23 and 24, some of the most precious verses in my Christian experience. And that is this, verse 23, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We're great. We're grateful that it's settled in heaven. We're grateful that it's still secure for us today. And Lord, we can trust it and count on it. Uh, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the opportunity to worship. And even, Lord, that we can't be together here as we normally would assemble in this building. We know that the saints are assembled today in their homes all over the country. Even other countries are watching and commenting about services. Uh, some of our missionaries have contacted us, Lord, telling us what a blessing it's been to log on and hear the preaching of your word. But Lord, I can't do it myself. I need your help. I pray for the unction of the Holy Spirit. I pray for clarity of thought and speech. I pray for the hearers today, that they would have ears to hear, as Jesus, your son, said as he preached. So Lord, bless us, I pray. Help me as I deliver these first points and make it powerful, Lord, in each heart and each life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 31 and Psalm 37 are written by David in times of great distress, and I'll particularly mention a certain time. In Schofield's Bible, at the top of your Bible, if you have a Schofield Bible, it usually has introduction notes. And in Psalm 30, the heading there, uh, the chapter heading says this, David praises God for his deliverance. He exhorts others to praise him. And then in chapter 31 of Psalms, it says, David showing his confidence in God craves his help. I love that part, craves his help. Of course, those are additions. They help us. It is the word of God. Uh, we can count on these things. And, and I want you to understand that the heading of these Psalms, that both of them and others were written at a time that David was going through great difficulty. He was being hounded by Saul. He was being chased daily. He had to hide in caves and woods. And at this time, uh, God inspired him to write many of these psalms. But this particular Psalm 37 and Psalm 31, uh, they were shortly after David's experience in the wilderness fleeing from King Saul. Now, Saul had a love-hate relationship with David. Early on, he loved David. He'd, he'd bring him to his, to, his, uh, uh, to his throne room. And David would play the harp and would minister to Saul's heart. And then he hated David because God had taken his hand off of Saul because of sins that he committed, choices that he made. In God's discipline, he was taking away the kingdom from King Saul and he is putting his hand on David. And Saul was jealous of that. He, he hated David uh, because of God's hand upon him of discipline, but God's hand of blessing upon David. And so Saul was very jealous and envious. 
His heart was filled of envy, where it used to be the love of God that filled his heart. But now we see that Saul, in his pride, and being headstrong, he made choices that God had to discipline him. Folks, God has to deal with us sometimes when we're headstrong and we're rebellious and we're proud. But we need to be humble before our God and contrite of spirit, broken of spirit. Now, because Saul's sin and his unwillingness to get right with God, Saul took it out on David. And that, that, that love for God that used to fill Saul's heart early in his ministry and in his kingdom, now his desire is only to go after David to chase him down, and to kill him. Saul became obsessed with the pursuit of David when he used to have a pursuit for God. Now David pursues his God mightily. Now I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 23. I'd mentioned earlier. 1 Samuel chapter, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. And you know, in your reading this week, read at least verses 1 through 29. Read the chapter. And see how God worked in David's life, in Saul's life at this particular uh, time. But we're just going to read the first five verses. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 through 5. Notice it says, verse 1. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they robbed the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines. And the Lord said to David, go and smite the Philistines and save Kyla. Now I know it's Kyla. I was confused, but I listened to online Bible and Mr. Spiriotes or whatever his name is. He's a good reader. That's how he pronounced it. So I know it's right. So Kyla in verse three, and David's men said unto him, behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Kyla? against the armies of the Philistines? That's a question. Then David inquired of the Lord, notice, yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise and go down to Kila, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Watch verse 5. So David and his men went to Kila and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a, with a great slaughter, so David saved the inhabitants of Kila. Well, that's an interesting. If you read the rest of the chapter, I hope you will. We'll be reading a little bit of it in our message. It's an exciting uh, chapter. Uh, boy, the Old Testament books, they're so exciting. These, these wars and with the Philistines and with the Babylonians and, and the different things that go on. I love the fighting uh, scenes in the Bible. And this is just exciting for me. Now, Saul thought that he had cornered David. He got him into one place, only to find out that David would escape in the nick of time. Saul was so frustrated. Each and every time David was reported to be in a certain place, and he'd send out his spies, and if they thought he was in a hold or he was stuck, then he'd send out the soldiers to get him. And it seemed like every time David would slip out of his grasp. How frustrating. I was driving Saul crazy. He's so full of jealousy and rage and bitterness of heart. And he'd always think, I can get my hands on him, but he could never quite do that. It kind of reminds me, it is a picture and a type, David is, much in the Bible, of our Lord Jesus Christ to come in Scripture. You remember how the Lord Jesus came on the scene and there was a group of people that, 
that followed him and they wanted to put him on the throne. They wanted him to rule and reign in Jerusalem right away. But the Lord said, no, it's not my time yet. And then later in his ministry, as the Lord would preach and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes would get so angry at him, they were out to kill Jesus before he got to the cross. That was a work of Satan. But we find in the scriptures many times that the, the, the Bible tells us that he would escape through the crowd. They couldn't get their hands on him, just like David here in the Old Testament with Saul. And Saul even pursued David uh, many times to capture him. But again and again, Saul thought he had him, but David would become privy to what was going on and he'd escape uh, uh, capture. In Psalm, in, in, excuse me, in, in, in Samuel chapter 23, Saul finally corners David. He's getting him in a place that had a city with gates and bars. And he thought, there's no way that David's going to get out of my clutches this time. He gets a report, though. At the very moment, he's going to pounce on David and capture him and bring him back and, and, and possibly kill him right away. He gets a report that the Philistines had invaded the land. And Saul has to drop his pursuit to run back home to Jerusalem to do his responsibility toward the, the city. And then David is free to go to the stronghold of En -Gedi. Oh, it's so exciting how the Lord was working in those days. Matter of fact, I was looking at my old preaching Bible this week in my office. And I, I have a Bible on my desk for study. I have my preaching Bible. I have a Bible at home. And, and uh, aren't we blessed to have Bibles? Amen. But in my old preaching Bible that I retired, but I still study out of it upstairs, I, I was going over the, these uh, message notes I had put on the side in, in studies earlier, and I noticed some things that I had wrote down about this time where Saul was unrelentless in the pursuit of David in the wilderness. And I wrote down this. I said, God preserves David every time an attempt that Saul hounded him, and God kept him safe. And then I added these words. Our God knows the dangers we face and goes before us too. How true. I mean, I don't know, even know when I wrote that. And that Bible's been retired for a while. I, again, I keep it on my desk. I can't even go back to when I might have wrote that. But the Psalms that David wrote were during these difficult seasons, these hard times in his life. And particularly this Psalm 30 and 31 and is about 1 Samuel 23 in David's life. These psalms David wrote were meant to encourage the people of God in their times of trouble, their times of sorrow, their times of loneliness, their times of depression, etc. And so, saints, the psalms are a blessing. They're a needed comfort when we need comforting. And you know why they're so successful in that? Because God's got his hand on them, as God had his hand on David through these trials and disappointments. If you read the Psalms, so I'm going to tell you, it works. They work. There'll be a blessing to you in your times of discomfort and trouble. Now today, these Psalms are still a blessing to the people of God, written so long ago. As we read them, it makes me ask myself, how could a man with so many problems and so many sorrows write such words? It's beyond me. I think sooner... David probably thought, well, Lord, why? Why are you allowing this? Why are you putting me through this? How is this your will? And all the things that he must have thought or said, just like we say when we go through our trials and troubles. And all the tests and trials and, and all the heartache and trouble, the word of God gives us peace and contentment. Amen. 
And these Psalms, again, were written by David. They were born out of great difficulty and dark episodes. I think that's why they speak to us today. And I don't have time, but if you went to Psalm 27, read it. Psalm 30, Psalm 31, Psalm 30, uh, 53. These Psalms were written by David when he was overwhelmed, when he was on the run, when he was being chased and hounded and hunted day after day. Uh, uh, 1 Samuel 26, 20 says, as a partridge upon a mountain. Just like a, 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 a hunter would pursue the partridge on the mountain. That's how David felt. These psalms we see were the experience of David's heart. They were the experience of his great fear at the time that he was going through. Amen. But David at these times could reach way down within himself and find faith and hope in his God. Not only what we're going through with this this, uh, this shutdown right now, but you know, many of the saints right now are having difficulty with their with their health. Yes, we've had members of our church, I believe four, that have, have been tested positive for the virus and going through their illness and getting better, thank the Lord. But there's others. Some of our senior saints have been going through falls and rehab and surgery. We even lost a dear sister in the Lord during this time, Sister Donna. These are hard times, folks. But these are times in which God allowed and we can find his will and his comfort and his strength during these episodes in our life. Oftentimes we think of the man David as the king on his throne in his splendor. Yes, we remember him as sovereign king and, and rich and respect, respected and honored. But we fail to remember his former days when he was a nobody, a lowly shepherd when nobody was following him. His brothers even wouldn't listen to him. His father wouldn't listen to him, yet he was touched of God. He was anointed by God. This man that would be king, instead of a crown, he was run out of town. I thought that would be good to say. Instead of a crown, he was run out of town. Instead of a crown, he was on the run, run from Saul. It didn't seem fair. It didn't seem right. And I'm sure there were times that David was in the caves and in the woods that he must have thought, why is God allowing this? You know, it was over 20 years before David actually became king. And then after he became king, his son rebelled against him, stole the kingdom away. He had to run for his life again. And I'm sure David must have thought, Lord, why? You know, God knows what he's doing in our lives, in our situations, our problems. This message is primarily to the saints today, to the saved today. David was dodging spears and arrows by the mighty men of Saul and Saul himself. And before David could rule and reign as king, God knew that David had to go through something, some hard times, some discouragement, some disappointment, some dangers, some daggers being thrown at him. Same thing's true in our time. Saints, if we're going to be successful and if we're going to reign spiritually, we're going to have to go through some hard spots. Tough times, lean years, scary seasons to bring us to maturity in our faith. And you know, that's all in God's plan for us. You know, when I was first called to preach, I, 
I used to think, when am I going to be able to preach? And, and there was preparation and going to institute and then going down to Tennessee Temple and, and, and going to school and working and, and, and finally graduating. And then I was going to pastor the largest church in America. That's what I thought. But God had plans for me, but I, I, I just had this, this complex of, oh, I'm, now I'm ready. I went through all my schooling, but I wasn't even started. And after almost 40 years of ministry, next year, I've gone through some things, and now I look back and I realize why I went through them and what God was doing, and I'm glad he's still working in my life, and he's still working in yours. God is maturing us and battering us. Uh, through most of our lives, it seems like we have scaffolding around us. It seems like God has us under construction, and we're wondering, when is the construction period finally finished? It's never finished because God keeps working on us for his glory, for his honor, for his will. Right now in the midst of this shutdown, I say to the church and those listening on, this slowdown, uh, there's a purpose in all of it, but we can't see it. We, like David, might be thinking, what is this all about? Why? And therefore, as Pastor Williams was teaching this morning, if we're not careful, we'll only see the politics of it. We'll only see the the overreach of government, and we'll see why don't they allow this and why don't they allow... I get frustrated. I understand what you're talking about. And some of that is important. But the underlying truth is God is in control. Here's the text. My times are in thy hands. Psalm chapter 37, verse 15. That's what we started with. Folks, my times, your time, are in the hand of God. And God, for some reasons, allowed this dark season of shutdown. But God knows what he's doing now, just like he did back in David's day. As he went through trials and tests. We must see this. God is in control. God is listening. God is working. God is allowing all things for our good and his will. Even though things we look at say, that can't be good for me. God, God has a different opinion. Again, the psalmist said, in his trial, my times are in thy hands. What a, what a phrase, what a statement. In God's great plan, today is a time of scaffolding. The scaffolding's all around us. Now's the time for being sculptured by God himself. It's a time of fashioning, of honing, of working in our hearts and lives. Go to... Uh, 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 Jeremiah chapter 18 with me please Jeremiah 18 and really read the whole chapter my wife was pointing out to me some verses later in, in Jeremiah 18 where it says that God is working among the nations and certainly right now folks God is working among the nations the world and we say this COVID thing is not that big and it's not any worse than something than the flu and all that stuff some of that stuff's true. The numbers are skewed. We understand that. But we understand that God's allowed this shutdown even though it doesn't make sense. Because God is working among the nations. And God is working in the hearts of his people. And of course the lost. May we understand that. In Jeremiah 18 verse 1 through 6, read with me in your Bible. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. 
So he made it again. Another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Hey, God's the potter. We're the clay. The first time I ever saw these words or heard these words years ago when Brother John Green preached, I'm talking maybe, maybe almost 40 years ago, maybe past it. And his wife had just suffered a great tragic incident in a vehicle and lost the use of her legs, been in a wheelchair ever since. She's still living, praise the Lord. God's used her mightily. Her testimony, her singing, her sweet spirit. John's a mighty preacher. But at that time, they had just gone through that. And John preached the message here about the potter having the clay in his hands and that he mars the clay to make a more fit vessel. Boy, it was a powerful message at that time. I'll never forget that. And these words are just alive today as I first read them and heard about them through the preaching of Brother John. And today God is working on that same potter's wheel with us. We got to allow him to work. We've got to be patient in our time of struggle. Yes, the scaffolding is around us. Yes, the sculpturing is being done. But God is going to bring about a good result. A glorifying thing. We, saints, listen, please. We must be patient with the potter's wheel. And again, we have so much frustration right now. Why can't we do this? And why can't we go there? We're going to revolt. We're going to have marches. And I understand that with with American and citizenship and rights. And I I get all that. But as Christians, we got to stop and think. There's another thing going on here. It's God. He's got us in our scaffolding. He's sculpturing. He's spending time. We're spending time in the furnace of God's preparation. Again, there are things that I would not have learned had I not gone through them. Hard things. When David was fleeing Saul and going through this preparation time to bring glory and honor to God, he had to endure much, but he learned much in his time of training. Now, that's all front porch. See, that's why I only have these points. One, two, three, I'll do them, and we'll be done, and and we'll go to the house, as the preachers say down south, as Pastor Williams probably would say, and we'll come back tonight and finish this sermon. So I hope this wets your whistle a little bit, and and you'll plug in tonight and see the finish. I promise you, if you stay with me throughout the day, you'll get help and you'll get a blessing. I want to delve now a little bit more in the process of God preparing his chosen servants. The Lord knows how to shape and how to mold his man and his people. David begins to learn to look uh, away from his circumstances and look to his God. May we learn to look to our God right now. And some of you, 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 you're getting ready to lose a loved one. I I know there's a family in our church that their, their loved one is sick and the doctors have been called in for hospice. Another family, the doctors have been called in for hospice care. And that's not easy. That's never good. That's never easy. Loved ones can't go to their loved ones and be with them at these times. It's hard. The circumstances are tough, but we're called to look to our God. Now I want you to see point number one today. David's time of triumph 
triumph, victory. Verse Samuel 23, go back there if you would. We, we, we already read the first five verses, but I, I, I want to point out something here. Verse 1 says, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Kilah. And they rob the threshing floors. The threshing floors were the, the product of the wheat and the field and the, and the grains that they brought in and winnowed it through the wind. And they got in the process of, of meal and then they could make their bread and have substance. And it was a hard time for the people of Israel. But the enemy would come in and steal these things. They'd grab a hold of these things. It didn't look like triumph at the time. Therefore David inquired of the Lord. He talked to the Lord his God about the situation. And then in verse 4, And David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord didn't give him good news. He thought maybe the Lord would take away the Philistines, but God said, no, you're going to, the Philistines are coming against you. They're going to certainly come against you. But here's the truth. God was with David. At this time, David had been on the run. He's fleeing Saul. And here's the thing about David. David was a fighting man. He was a warrior. That was, God had trained him and made him a warrior. And he must have been so frustrated. He was like a, He's like a, a war horse pawing at the ground. He's he just waiting for God to let him go so he could fight. And I could see David so shut in and so frustrated. There was, there was no reward for battle. There was no battle. He's just sitting there doing nothing. No splendid parades when he came home from victory. No accolades, no cheers of the crowd because what's he doing now? He's not fighting a war. He's fighting against a friend against Saul and he's frustrated and he hurts no cheers remember how the Bible said he'd come in and they'd, they'd say of Saul he had slain his thousands but David he's slain his tens of thousands and David loved the afterword of war but he loved war but now he's waiting and wondering when is this going to end David gets a tiding that the inhabitants of Kali had been attacked by the enemy of the Philistines. And you know, his heart broke for that. He knew that Saul was coming to Kali in order, uh, in order to, to get David and that those inhabitants of Kali, they are going to pay the consequence of it. Don't you know David's heart was broke? And not only that, the crops and the farms that had just been harvested, they're going to be plundered by the enemy. And David just doesn't understand why God has allowed this. At this time, David's on the run. He's hiding. He's waiting. Also at this time, King Saul was not able to help in the invasion. You know, king, the king would lead the troops to battle, and, and Saul would do that in former times. But right now, the only thing on his heart and his mind is capturing David. He wants David. Saul was so enthralled with bitterness and the business of hounding David that he didn't even lead as he should his people. So David shows himself at that time mighty, and he becomes a monarch in the people's eyes. But it didn't happen for a long time. But at that time, God was using this to bring, elevate David, bring him high in the eyes of the people. David fights with all that is within him. And David, as he gets freedom now to fight, he defeats his enemies and they rejoice in their favorite hero. Hooray for David! David again is honored. He's at the top of, you would, his game. 
But soon he's brought low again. It's like he's going in one direction, the direction he wants to go, the direction he believes is God's will. But when he can't go around God's working and allowing, and sculpturing and scaffolding, he's frustrated. Go to Psalm 31 again. We were there earlier. Psalm 31. And uh, take a look. We mentioned verse 23 and and, and 24, but take a look, a look at Psalm 31, 12, and uh, we'll read to verse 15. Psalm 31, verse 12. I am forgotten as a dead man out of the mind. I am like a broken vessel. For I have heard the slaughter of many. Fear was on every side. Why they took counsel together against me, they devised to take away my life. But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. Watch it. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of mine enemies and from them that persecute me. You know, this is also prophetic of our Lord. What David was going through, these words remind us of what Jesus went through. And I want you to know that... Although Jesus was God, he was also man. We'd see in the scriptures that he would get frustrated. He'd get frustrated with his own. He said, how long shall I suffer you? His disciples were not understanding him. The Lord went through difficult times when he was at the garden. We'll be preaching on that later. Not tonight. I was going to, but another time. The Lord's in the garden and he says to the Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. That's in the Lord's humanity talk. His struggle. Here David is, he's going through this time where he's starting to make some advancement and, and get something done and the people are going to be behind him and then it's bring down David again time. And he doesn't understand it. So first of all, we see David's time of triumph. Then we see David's time of treachery. First Samuel chapter 23, look at verse 6. 23, verse 6, these next two points will go quickly and we'll be done. Don't lose me, stay with me. 1 Samuel 23, verse 6. And it came to pass when Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Kilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Kilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand for he is shut in by entering into the town that hath gates and bars. He thought he had them. Thought he had them. And Saul called on the people together to war and to go against Kilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said unto Abathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Kilah to destroy the city for my sakes. He's sad about that. Will the men of Kilah deliver up me up into, the, into his hand? Will Saul come down as, as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. Can you imagine David's heart? He, I'm sure he thought, no, we're going to take care of it. You don't have to worry about it. And he said, yeah, he's going to come down. Bad news, sad news. Verse 12, Then said David, Will the men of Kilah deliver me 
and my men into the hand of Saul. And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. This is a time of treachery for David. Those he thought he could count on, they're not going to stand with him. A time of treachery. People turning on him. They sounded like they were with him. They were, they were saying, David, you're our king. David has slain his tens of thousands and so on. When he came in for more, it reminds us again of our Lord. When he came into Jerusalem on the triumphal entry, they were all worshiping, waving palm leaves, worshiping Jesus, knowing that it was prophetic uh, of the Lord coming upon a, a colt of an ass. And they were just rejoicing that their Messiah had come. But a few days later, they're turning on him. They're turning him in. They're crying, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Oh, our Lord's heart must have almost broke. Here's David in a time of triumph. And next thing you know, David's in a time of treachery. People are turning on him. He loved King Saul. And Saul's out to kill him. All through these personal tribulations... David's learning valuable lessons. He begins to understand that this was possibly at the hand of God. And it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. He was in the hand of God, but he was also in the hand of his enemy, sort of. It was a confusing time for David. But here's the truth. God had allowed David to go through these things. Hey, let me remind you something, saying to God, no matter what you're going through, illness, sickness, financial loss, I don't know, the, the loss of a loved one, I, I, I don't know what you may be going through, God does, but nothing happens to us, believers, on this earthly journey without God's knowledge and God's allowance. Listen again, here's our theme, our times are in His hands. His hands, not our hands. Right now, we want to fix everything about this shutdown. We can't. There's frustration. There's anger. There's bitterness. Don't allow it to happen. Pastor Williams reminded us of that and challenged us with that. Don't allow yourself to get that way. After each onslaught, the enemy, watch this though, the gloom lifts, the fear subsides, and despair leaves, departs. David starts learning what God is doing in spite of his circumstances. Hey, after the battles that we go through, it's time for us to stop and learn and say, ask the, God doesn't mind our questions. Why, God? How come, God? That's okay. We're not always going to give the right answer or think the right, right thought. But after a while, we might just say, Lord, you're in, I'm in your hands. God, do what you think's best. Amen. Hey, church, after this trial is over, do you know what's going to happen? We're going to be stronger. We're going to be a more fit vessel. You've got to think that way, not negatively. It's not all this going on, this hurting the church. Maybe the church will never be what it was. We're not going to be able to do this. No, 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 no. Realize God is working. God has the scaffolding around us. He is sculpturing. He is getting us ready for a greater ministry. If we will submit to it and grow strong in it. My final point for this morning David's time of trust. 1 Samuel 23, 13 and 14. Don't miss this. 13, then David and his men were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David escaped from Keilah 
and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in a stronghold and remained in the mountain of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hands. David's time of trust. Through this tr trouble and tribulation in David's life, now's the time to trust God, to have total dependence of God. Learn to lean, my friend. That old song we sing in church, learning to lean on Jesus. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I'd ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Listen to the first verse. I won't sing it. Listen to the words. Sad, brokenhearted, at an altar I knelt. I found peace that was so serene. And all that he asks is a childlike trust and a heart that is learning to lean. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. David here, he faced the Philistines. He triumphed over them. Then he had to face treachery of his friends, treachery of Saul. But David, the warrior that he was, you know what he learned during all this? He learned to trust his Lord. He learned to lean on God. By the way, as I get ready to close, there might be somebody out there listening today and you don't know the Lord. I got a question for you. Have you trusted upon Jesus yet? Have you believed upon Jesus yet? We've been in this situation now for eight, nine weeks or maybe long. I don't, I don't know. It seems like eternity. And you wonder, when are some people going to realize God's, God's trying to get them and get their attention? Not to destroy them, but to save them. Friend, are you willing to call on Jesus? If you're lost, I want you to know something, and I'll move on. We're praying for you. Our church, I've been, Pastor Williams, we've been praying for souls to be saved. And right now, we can't go out with liberty, and we can't knock on doors and all that, and we, can't know how to give out a track because people are just afraid of things that you touch, that kind of thing. But folks, when this is all over with, with strength and power and, the, and, and getting right with God and having the power of God and the fruits of the Spirit active again in our life, I can't, it's beyond my imagination what God could do. How many people could be saved? It's exciting, but it's not easy. Saints, people will fail us Dreams and plans will flee from us. We may even fail ourselves, but the Lord will never fail us. He'll never forsake us nor leave us. Amen. David fully realizes how wrong he was about God's plan. At the beginning, he's thinking, I don't understand this. But through the process, he comes to the knowledge of how silly it was to doubt God. Because here's what he says in Psalm 31, 22 through 24. I'll, I'll boil it down for time. In my haste, he said. Aren't we like that? In haste, we make comments. In haste, we make declarations. In haste, we say, well, I don't know why we're doing this. In haste, we say, why are they doing this? In haste, we say, I don't know how long this is going to be. That's us under the pressure and the stress and the frustration and the disappointment. But God is working. I want to remind you as we close today, my times are in his hands. 
Our times are in his hands. I want to close today. and we'll, Again, you're not going to get this message unless you come back tonight. I hope you will. This is a great text. Only three points we made today. But this is a great text. We're finishing on these three points. And I just want to ask a question and answer it for you and us. And then we're going to close down. Here it is. How could David say such words? How could he say, my times are in his hands? How could he say, in my haste? How could David say words after and through all that he went through and had to endure? How could he say that? Here's the answer. He came through it with the help of God. He came through his valley to go back to the mountaintop again. Folks, this is not a good time. It's not an easy time. I'm thinking of how blessed I am, how blessed we are. And, you know, they talk about Detroit and how many cases. It's not a good situation in Wayne County. I get that. But there are other places in this nation where people are hurting bad. They don't have income. They don't have food. I mean, it's not that my wife and I have had meals and we're doing okay. The church is taking care of us. God is taking care of us. There are people that are really suffering in this nation, let alone the countries of the world. But when it's all said and done, God's wanting us to learn. God's wanting us to lean on Jesus. I'm going to close and pray here. I want to say this. Come back at 6 o'clock. We'll pick it up from where we left off. If there's anybody in need of salvation and your heart's been touched, I know it wasn't a salvation message. It's to the saints. It's to the church. Call us and let us help you. And to the saints, I say, listen to the Spirit of God speak to your heart. This afternoon, think on these points. And please come back at 6 o'clock so that you can hear the finish of this sermon. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. And we pray the groundwork has been laid for a great result tonight. Bring back the saints to faithfulness at 6 o'clock, Lord. And those listening on that may not know you are not sure if they know you as their Savior. Lord, bless this day and help us to think, muse upon these thoughts from thy word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day. Enjoy your Lord's day. Bye.